This morning, there are three verses that I want to put before us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'll read that in just a moment. Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you please bow with me in prayer? Father, we read these commands that are very clear. Yet we also acknowledge our struggle in doing them. So this morning, Father, we ask for your help. We ask for your help not only in understanding these commands, but most of all in doing them. Because we know it's what you want. So forgive us our weakness and strengthen us. To your glory I pray. Amen. I want to be very candid with you at the very beginning of this message that it's a very difficult one for me to preach. It's not difficult because of the commands. The three commands you see in this passage are very clear. In many ways very simple. Rejoice. Pray, give thanks. They are clear and to the point. Nothing complicated about the commands. But the challenging part's the timing, isn't it? Rejoice always. I can understand rejoicing when times are good. No problem there. But always? Pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Give thanks in all circumstances. How do you give thanks when grief hits you like a wave and knocks you off your feet? Yet even with those difficulties, we can't deny that doing these things is what God desires. It's clear from verse 18, for this, and that this covers all three of them, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. So these are things that God wants us to do. And since doing God's will is for our good, it is good and right for us to do these things. It is the best for us to do these things. But how? Look at the first command in verse 16. Rejoice always. The fact that we are commanded to rejoice means that rejoicing is not just an emotional response. You can't command emotions. To command someone to be emotionally joyful when they're not is to ask someone to be something that they are not. 
The fact that this is a command means that there is a choice that we have to make. Either we rejoice or we do not rejoice. And that's true for each of these commands, to pray and to give thanks. It's a choice that comes in. It's an act of the will that says, I may not feel like doing this. I may be struggling to do this, yet I want to obey. I know what I'm supposed to do. To rejoice at all times does not mean that we deny grief and pain in life. It's not what the scripture teaches. It's not wise nor good to ignore the pain that we feel. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that there's a time for everything under the sun. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Psalm 137 contains a psalm that was sung while the people of God, Israel, the majority of them were captive in Babylon. They were prisoners. Their captors were mocking them. Sing the songs of Zion now. You're not in Jerusalem. Sing them. They were mocking and taunting them. And the psalmist cries out, how, how can we sing to the Lord in a foreign land? Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He did not reprimand those who mourn. He didn't say you shouldn't grieve. He didn't say cover your tears. Our Lord promised comfort. Yet in our grief, we must fight to turn our thinking to the promises of God. Because it's the promises of God that give hope. That in the midst of our, our circumstances, that as we struggle to rejoice, we come back to the promises of God. For example, one that is very familiar to believers. All things work together for the good of those that are called according to the Lord and love Him. We remember that nothing, nothing in heaven or upon earth, nothing angelic nor demonic can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Today is a special day in my family. 26 years ago, my oldest daughter was born. She's 26 today. And of course, with her birthday, we began to remember. And it's hard to think that my oldest is married and now has two children. <laughs> remembering a time as I was thinking of this message and the promises of God she was about two and a half or three years old we were at the beach and I decided that I wanted to pick her up and walk into the water with her into the ocean maybe out up to my waist and my wife was very nervous about this she said I, just, I don't know that's my baby girl I said she'll be fine she's with her dad look the ocean is pretty calm today it'll be all right just trust me so I pick up Ellen and start wading out into the water. I'm getting to the water. I'm about waist deep. And I turn around holding her so we can wave to mom and grandparents that are there on the beach. It was at the very moment that we turned around that a rogue tsunami wave hit me right in the back. Knocked me off my feet. And I could just hear my wife say, what in the world were you thinking? Then my thoughts turned to one thing. No matter how far I go under, I'm going to keep my baby's head above water. I will hold her and I will not let go and I will keep her up. 
And if a sinful person, father like me, makes a commitment to his child to hold them up, how much more is God going to hold us up when we feel that the waves of life are pulling us under? God has promised us, I will never, never leave you or forsake you. He said, I will be with you even to the end of the age. The scripture reminds us in Romans 5 that hoping in God will never put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Hope gives joy. And that is the soil. Hope is the soil in which the flower of faith begins to bloom and that blossom is joy. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope. And the battle is turning our minds to remember that and to dwell on the promises of God even in the midst that we experience the pain of life. That's why it's crucial to also heed the next commandment. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Prayer is a fundamental activity of the Christian. A prayerless Christian is like a soldier going into battle without a weapon. A broad definition of prayer is simply this, calling out to God. I realize there are nuanced definitions of prayer and all those are, are true, but basically prayer is calling out to God. And I realize in this passage when Paul says pray without ceasing, he's using hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point. After all, how do we pray without ceasing when we are asleep? How can we focus on praying when we're at our, our job and say we're welding? That's a time we need to be focused. We have a very hot instrument in our hands and need to be focused on what we are doing. I think Paul's point is this. We need to live in a constant recognition of our dependency upon God. When we realize that we are dependent upon God for everything, that will lead to prayer. And when we live with the realization that we need God of every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, praying will come naturally to us because we know we need Him. When we realize that dependency, praying without ceasing, may take different forms. There needs to be those times where we sit down with the Scripture and it's just us and God and His Word for an extended amount of time. And we pray. We may read the Psalms and use those to guide us as we pray. And as we pray the Psalms and pour out our hearts to God in a, a lengthy time. But there are other times where it will be what I call lightning prayers. It may be those moments, say, at work when a coworker named Doug is walking towards you. And you realize, you know, I told Doug I would pray for him. God, be with Doug. Those quick prayers. There will be times when all you can do is cry out, Oh Lord, help me. Pastor H.B. Charles tells of a woman who is a member of his church that whenever they had a prayer gathering or whenever they were praying aloud in their worship service, she would always pray the same simple prayer. Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, she would pray this. It became a little bit of a joke. The kids at church would laugh. Adults would smile. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And they would nod their heads. Oh, yeah, we know who that is. Finally, somebody asked her, Why do you pray that same little prayer every time? She said, Well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood and some nights there are bullets flying and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor. And in that moment I call out, oh Lord, that's all I know to say, oh Lord. And then when I wake up in the morning and I see that we're okay, 
I say, thank you, Jesus. When I walk my baby girl to the bus stop, and she gets on the bus to go to school, and I don't know what's going to happen. While she's away, I cry, oh, Lord. And then when 3 o'clock comes and the bus arrives and my little girl's safe, I say, thank you, Jesus. Those are the only two prayers I know. When I get to church, God has been so good, I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I think there are two keys to praying continually. First is this, a heart that is broken. When your heart is broken, you know that God is your only hope. And we recognize our powerlessness, that we are powerless to to really affect any change. It leads us to call out in prayer to God because we know it is only Him who has the power that we need each day. It is only God who can bring about change. So our recognition of our brokenness before God will lead us to call out to Him continually. The second key is to remember this. Our God is always ready to hear our prayers. Luke 18.1, Jesus told a parable. This is one of the times where the purpose of the parable is stated at the very beginning. Jesus told a parable to teach us that we ought to always pray and not lose heart. He told the story of a widow who had been treated unfairly. She's trying to get a hearing before a judge, but the wicked judge won't listen to her. She can't get on the docket. He continually ignores her, but she keeps going. She keeps going. She keeps asking. She keeps begging. She keeps pleading. And finally, the judge says, I'm not going to get any rest until I listen to this woman. Many people think the point of that parable is, well, you keep praying until you finally wear God down and he hears you. That is not the point at all. The point is one of contrast. Our God is not like a wicked judge who we have to wear down to hear us. Our God's ears are tuned to hear the cries of his people. Our God's eyes are always open to us. He is ready to listen, ready to hear, ready to act. God is better than a wicked judge. He hears the cries of his children. Always keep that in mind. We do not have to beg God to listen. He is gracious. And with that in mind, we look at the third command. Give thanks in all circumstances. Thanksgiving is gratitude for kindness that has been received. It's saying thank you. The challenge, once again, is in all circumstances. You know, when I'm sitting at a table that has a sliced turkey on it, mashed potatoes, sweet potato casserole and corn and yeast rolls, it's easy to give thanks. But when I'm sitting in the room of an ICU where I've been sleeping for the last three weeks, giving thanks is not easy. You learn to give thanks for the small things in all circumstances. Every week I've been very thankful to share with you progress that Emma is making. It's hard to believe that this November will mark five years since she got sick. I can remember when she was in a coma and we were in the neurointensive care unit at UT for the month of December 2016. We were there for six weeks. There was no movement at all. One day we saw a little wiggle of her big toe. Small movement. We would stand for hours and watch. Watch a big toe. 
Honey, can you wiggle it a little bit, please? And to be so thankful when she moved it a little bit. Learn to give thanks for the small things. Whatever circumstance you are in, one of the doctors told us before we had gotten the diagnosis that they believed she would be terminal. He said, don't measure things day by day, but look, six weeks, three months down the road. See where you were three months ago and where you are now. We need to take that attitude and then we will learn to be thankful even when it doesn't look like things are changing overnight. And as we give thanks for the small things, learn to give thanks for the eternal truths that never change. Focus on eternity. I've never forgotten the story that I heard Alan Duncan tell in a sermon I heard him preach. Alan Duncan is a retired Southern Baptist missionary, but he in the 80s, early 80s, he was a place kicker for the University of Tennessee volunteer football team. He happened to play on the team when Reggie Watt, known as one of the greatest defensive linemen in the history of the NFL, was a freshman. Reggie was a commanding presence, even as a freshman. He was 6'4", 260 pounds of walking muscle, and he was a very committed and vocal follower of Jesus Christ. Alan said it was during two a days in August. Hot, humid, sun just beating down on you as you were practicing in full pads. And after they finished their second practice, the coach had finished his little speech and was about to dismiss everyone when Reggie spoke up and said, Coach, Coach, could I, could I say a word? Could I have a, have a prayer? Well, Reggie, if you want to and the team will listen, go ahead. Reggie said, Team, circle up. Everybody circled up, even seniors. Reggie said, we're going to pray. He bowed his head and Alan Duncan said he never forgot Reggie White's prayer that hot August day. Lord, I thank you for how hot it is here today because it reminds me of how hot hell is and that I won't be there. Thank you, Jesus. Just turn your minds toward eternity, the promises of God. There are two thoughts that I want to leave you with as I wind this down. First is this. There are times when we will need others to help us do these things. There will be times and circumstances in your life where you know you need to pray and you want to pray without ceasing, but your voice is gone. There will be times that you want to call out to God and you, you know you need to, but... The words just won't come out. That is when we need others to gather around us and call out for us. That is when we need others to be our mouths, when our, our, words, our words are not found. The book of Ecclesiastes said that a cord of three strands is not easily broken and that we should have pity and compassion for the person who falls and has no one to lift them up. I've seen this not only with prayer but also with rejoicing. February the 28th of 2017, we left Knoxville with Emma. And we moved to a hospice house in Bristol where we lived for the next 10 months. The Lord placed many, very, many special people in our lives. Met a lot of wonderful nurses. And in this journey, I have grown exponentially in my respect for nurses. One of them that stands out to me is a lady by the name of Joyce. She was one of the night nurses at the hospice house. 
we first met her, she introduced herself. My name is Joyce, but if you want to, you can also call me Rejoice. She was a fellow believer. And when she said that, it was genuine. There was nothing fake about that. She worked at night and would come in, and even after she'd done her rounds with the other patients and talk with us and encourage us and pray with us. And I remember one night especially, we were down. It had to be around 12.30 or 1 in the morning. And Joyce came in and saw that we were just feeling really low. And she said, I want you to stand up with me. So we stood up, and we were at the foot of Emma's bed. And she said, take, take my hand. So the three of us stood, and Joyce started singing. And I don't even remember the song she sang, but it was a song of praise unto the Lord. And she said, okay, we're singing. Now we got to move. And she started stepping back with our hands. And she said, come forward. And we were dancing there in that hospice room, just rejoicing in the Lord. And I learned that we need the help of others sometimes to even rejoice and to come alongside of us and say, I understand and I am with you. No, at times we need the help of others. And I also ask you to remember this. These things, rejoicing, praying, giving thanks, happen in Jesus. Notice how Paul ends verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why is in Christ Jesus added? You could just say this is the will of God for you, but he adds in Christ. I believe it's because we recognize that it's only in Christ these things are possible. Jesus is the key that opens our lives to the benefits of God. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have eternal life. In Christ, we have the grace of God. In Jesus, all the promises of God, all the promises of God are yes. In Him, I can do the will of God because He is my strength and my righteousness. He intercedes for me. He is the reason for my praise. He is the source of my thanksgiving. Apart from Christ, we cannot do these things. So I ask you, do you know Him today? Have you confessed Him as your Lord and Savior? In just a few moments, I'll lead us in a prayer and I'll make my way down to the front and we'll stand and sing. As we sing, if you want to come and pray, the altar is open. That's what these kneeling benches are here for. If you'd like to talk about what it means to follow Christ, I'll be glad to receive you. I'll ask you just to have a seat and wait. Then after the service is over, we'll talk about following Him. But understand, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks all come about through Christ our Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer now? Father, we recognize our weaknesses and our struggles in doing these things. So we ask you, Lord, to draw our gaze to Christ our hope, our righteousness, our strength. Father, help us to remember who you are. Even in the times when circumstances would overwhelm us, help us to rejoice in who you are, to call out to you, and to give thanks, even for the small things, and even for the eternal truths. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.